Okay. Now, can I just say, my aim is not to offend you. <laughs> can everyone say amen? <laughs> can you say, Dylan, please don't offend me. <laughs> can I just say, offense is taken, not given. No, okay. <laughs> Oi, here we go. But finances, money, some of you, if you knew here, you're like, I knew it. I knew it. Uh, there's one guy, I remember, he went to a church in Durban, and he said, before he went to the church, you know what he said? He said, all these people ever want to, is money. That's all the church wants from me. Non-Christian walks into the church, uh, the pastor gets up, and he's like, I'm going to be preaching about giving and money. The guy walked out with his family and said, this is ridiculous. Why is it all that? I told you that's all that they talk about. Walked out, um, took his family through a whole turmoil uh, of a journey of two years and it brings them back into church. And what's the pastor talking on? The same church, money and finance. That pastor, what the guy didn't realize, in eight years had spoken about finances three times. That was the third time the guy came back two years later. Because here's the thing, sometimes when God has a word for you, he won't let you get away from it. Like Jonah got told to go to Nineveh, he went and went the other way, ends up in a whale, turmoil, all chaos, gets thrown out, and guess what God says to him? Exactly the same thing that he said in the first place, go to Nineveh. So sometimes when we have these things, um, it, it, it's God just getting at our heart. And, and the interesting thing I found is money is one of those things that we have so many uh, negative connotations. Sometimes we think churches talk too much or too little. We've actually been told in partnership courses that we talk too little about it, which I've always found interesting. Um, but I'm very passionate about this sector and, and, and actually knowing the freedom that comes from it because it's one of the greatest bondages in people's lives is money and finance. How many marital problems are built off a lack of finances? How many tensions and relationships are built in money? Anyone, um, how many awkward dinners are built around who pays the bill? How, <laughs> you know, I've always said people go to dinner and suddenly they have short arms and long pockets, you know, trying to find their, their uh, card to pay. It's, it's, just, it's a crazy thing. Yet Jesus talked about money, uh, roughly about 25% of everything Jesus talked about was related around money. 25%. Do you know there are over 800 scriptures in the Bible about finances and wealth? 800. So to say, okay, Dylan, well, is money good or bad? Any, any votes here? Is money good? Is money bad? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, this church is united. Uh, money is neither good nor bad. It's kind of like the internet. Is it good or bad? Can be good or bad, depends what you use it for. Same thing with money, it's a neutral thing, but it's how we steward it that whether it has us or we have money, there's a difference and how you guard your heart through this. But let me just read some scriptures. Proverbs 10 verse four, it says this, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Church went quiet there. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Basic business principles there. Proverbs 10. Uh, it says this in verse 22, the blessing of the Lord, can you say blessing? blessing. Brings wealth. Can you say wealth? wealth? Think about that. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, but, and he says, and he adds no trouble to it. So the blessing of God is that there would be wealth, but there would be no trouble with it. There's a difference because I know some very rich people that have a lot of trouble with that wealth. 
Don't always think that more money is the solution to your problems because sometimes it actually makes the problems even worse. Come on. Uh, It says this, Proverbs 11, verse 4. I love this scripture. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Incredible. And whoever trusts, verse 28, whoever trusts in his riches, can you say trust? will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Uh, I love Proverbs 13, verse 7. One man pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. What is that? Instagram. (laughs) Anyone watch Instagram being scrolling? Next minute, there's some guy with like a Ferrari Driving out and he gets out, he walks in his house, hey man, you got to sign up to this or do that, what, here's how how you get rich and all of that. Did you know a lot of the time they rent those cars and the houses to do the videos? (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? One man can pretend to be rich, yet has nothing. Another can pretend to be poor and yet has great wealth. Some of the wealthiest people I know, you would not be able to tell by what they wear or what they drive. Why? Because... Wealth whispers, money shouts. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That was uh, <laughs> not the reaction I was expecting, but let's go with it. Uh, it says this, dishon- verse 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Uh, verse 20, he walks with the wise, grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I'll explain that one later. It says, um, Uh, verse 23 of chapter 14, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Anyone had a great business idea (laughs) and never done anything with it? Yes. Who has the next multi-million pound idea? Come on, guys, raise your hands. I know there's some, uh, yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah. Okay, this side's real. This side, yeah, none of you have a great multi-million pound idea. I have one every minute, um, but I I just don't have the investors to fund it. But, um, Oh, I had some bad ones. I had some bad. I won't share them though. It, it, it's a set. Uh, but we, we, mere talk leads to poverty. There's something about people who actually do something with their ideas. It takes a lot of work. Who has ever started a business here? Is your hand? Is it hard work? Yes, you can see the gray hairs of people just kind of there. But it says this, the wealth of the wise is their crown, but the folly of fool yields folly. Uh, it says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil, Proverbs 15, verse 16. Um, how many of you know from just what I've read, and I've just, I know I've jumped around, and we're going to be in Luke 16 as our main text today, um, that the Bible has something to say about wealth and money. Whether you like it or not, it's all in there, and it impacts our hearts, and it challenges our hearts. And I've been so challenged by this, because here's... Here's the the thing, there's a tension in scripture between some people think, can you be rich or can you, are you able to be rich in the Bible or is it evil? Anyone had that thought? Anyone thought like, it's almost sometimes in the Bible, it's almost like it's having a go at rich people. Another time in the Bible, it's having a go at poor people. Another time in the Bible, it seems to be, it's like this constant tension through scripture. And the reason is we kind of, in the West, we categorize people in two camps. We either say you are rich or you are poor. So we we put people in two camps, whereas in the Bible, it teaches that there are four categories that people are in. You know what it is? Godly and ungodly. So you have godly rich people, you have ungodly rich people. You have godly poor people, you have ungodly poor people. Four categories. 
And what you sometimes mix up in scripture is you think, who's he talking to? Like, for example, the rich man and Lazarus, who's he addressing? The ungodly rich. Walking past, not being concerned about anyone but yourself, living in luxury every day whilst a beggar's being carried on his mat, put where he's begged to, to beg every day. You see the difference? Ungodly rich. Yet in the chapter 16, verse 1 through 15, he's talking about, he doesn't even comment. So the rich man, there's no comment, not good, not bad. He's a, we presume, godly rich. Why? Because there's godly rich, godly poor. Now, in Christianity, sadly, what we've done, we've adopted a poverty mentality where if you have money, you're seen as evil. So people are scared to even say anything about finance. Whereas actually, when you read Proverbs and you see it, the putting into practice of the word of God actually yields fruit actually works. You know, the personal development world, the business world in America, where all this prosperity is, you know what it's built off? This book. So people are like, well, Dylan, surely, you know, all this new age stuff, a lot of this stuff was stolen from the Bible that people put into practice. You know, all those principles I read, he who gathers money little by little, not chasing a mere fantasy, putting into practice passive income. Proverbs, <laughs> it's all there. And the beauty of it is that we, when you put it into practice, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. You should all be prospering. But here's my question to you. Are you rich? <laughs> we got one. It's one God's got it. <laughs> I, 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 I did some studies. I did some studies yesterday. I had um, three people in my study. Uh, not in my study, but in my study, do you know what I mean? Uh, but three people, ladies in this church, uh, who are asked this question, I said, are you rich? And not one of them would say they were rich. And each time they asked me to define the question more and rechange the question. And I thought, ladies, I just need yes or no. And they like, no, no, but, but what do you mean by that? Do you mean relative to this or that? Because here's the thing in the West, Every one of us sitting here today, we would not see ourselves generally as rich. You know, to define yourself as rich, what do you think you need? Now, they did a study on this, and they came out with only 13% of people would see themselves as rich. Only 13%. They, and that was across socioeconomic. People on 20,000 a year, 15,000 a year, all the way up to 1 million pounds, 2 million pounds a year. You know what the common thread was that they found? No matter what income bracket you were in, you thought if you won 100,000, you were rich when you earned 200,000. If you won 50,000, you were rich if you earned 95,000. If you won 30,000, it was almost exactly every single time double what the person was on salary was. That's when they thought they'd be rich. Isn't it interesting that we always think that the next thing, it's, a, it's just kind of this greed thing inside of us that we will only be satisfied, we will only be rich when we get to this next point. The deception of this and what the Bible talks about, the decept deception of riches is that very thing, where you're continually lusting for more, not being satisfied in contentment where you are. Am I preaching? Guys, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying because this one, I, there's a lot to say here, and I know that, that's why it's called a series, okay? Um, they ask, uh, you, you know, again, you, you look at in the Old Testament, people thought if you had riches, it meant you were righteous. Just like if you had ill health, it meant you were a sinner. That's what they believed. 
So they associated, remember when Jesus, the blind guy, uh, was there and they said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why? Because in that culture, if you read Proverbs, you read the Old Testament, a lot of the understanding was, well, if you had wealth, it meant that you were blessed by God. If you didn't, it meant that you were cursed by God. Same thing with sin and sickness. Now, what, what we need to do is get a healthy balance in scripture of what God actually teaches and get rid of some of the Christian myths that are out there because they rob us of our inheritance in growing and growth. Amen. Um, Molly said this to me yesterday, not that she was one of my three that I interviewed, um, but she said this, uh, in marriage prep, we said to her, I think, you don't realize how selfish you are until you get married. And I, I think the same thing here is you don't really, not that Molly's so any selfish, right? I'm just saying, <laughs> she was like, yeah, yeah. You don't realize how selfish your husband is. <laughs> um, you don't realize how greedy you are until the mirror of the word of God comes yeah. right on your face, yeah. yeah. And my heart today is to convince us all that we are greedy. Yeah. Okay, that, that went down well, cool. Um, because, and I've said this before, not once in all the Christian counseling that I've done, and I've done a bit, you'd be surprised, is you, in all the people that I've met with for coffees, teas, and walks, not once has someone said, Dylan, please pray for me, I'm greedy. Pray for me, uh, sexual sin, right there. All kinds of other sins, uh, right there. Uh, bad language, all there, there. But this, this, this God of money that sits on the throne of our heart, not once have I seen someone recognize by themselves that, hey, I need freedom from this God. Because as Jesus says here, no one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't. It's impossible. Um, what would you do for five million pounds? Uh, this is interesting and kind of reveals the heart of our cultures. Uh, would you be in solitude for the next 20 years for five million pounds? Not. Do you know 24% of people said they would? Out of 300,000. Um, would you eat, this one was quite funny, plain oatmeal for all your meals for the next 15 years for five million pounds? <laughs> Hey guys, I like plain food, so I, I, I was like, yes. 22% of people would do it. This was an interesting one. Would you quit the internet for the next 15 years? Oh, yeah. 100%. I, don't, I think you guys are lying. Well, I mean, it's kind of in range with this, but 44% of people said they would. Would they quit the internet? I mean, I'd just, yeah, I'd probably go for it. You know, five million quid. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, would you go to prison for a crime you didn't commit for five years for five million pounds? 30% said they would. This one was interesting. Would you eat a cockroach every day for the next 10 years for five million pounds? <laughs> uh, um, wow, just like cockroach cereal, you know what? And, and you know, it's the funny part. At the end of the study, it was a bit of a fun one, but said, would you for the next 30 to 35 years work in a job, invest wisely in stable pension pots and good investments for the next 30 to 35 years for five million pounds? Yes. And you know, with the power of compounding, that is actually possible. 
because, and I'll, I'll do a compiling exercise in our breakout sessions at some point. But the thing you've got to understand is we do some crazy stuff for money. <laughs> I, I, I was reading this and I, I couldn't put everything, not everything was appropriate. But I was like, this is some crazy things people are even thinking about in order to gain money. But in order to understand what drives us, I've got to ask ourselves a question. What, uh, firstly, do you see yourself as rich? Because remember, 50% of the world's population, over 3 billion people live on less than $2 a day. 50%. So being rich and being poor is really a relative concept. You know, you can't, I can't say there's an absolute rich, and here's where you're rich, here's where you're poor, whatever. Being rich and poor is really something of an issue of the heart, I believe. And when you look in the West today, we live in a culture of materialism where you are only satisfied when you get the next thing. When you get the, I mean, Apple are brilliant at this. They, they, they get their software in there and then the software runs out. So you need to get the upgrade and you need it and you need it and you need it. But we've lost the difference between a need and a want. Because what we've been filtered into is this thing. When we were in Kenya, anyone that went to Kenya, are we rich? Yet we won't call ourselves rich here. Why? Because we don't want the responsibility that the scripture places on the rich in the Bible. It's true. Dylan, you don't know my circumstance. Look, guys, uh, they asked me yesterday, Dylan, are you rich? I'm like, 100%. You know why? I keep my pay slip from South Africa. <laughs> I, I, you might think this is weird. I used to be a full-time teacher in South Africa. I keep my pay slip there. You know what? It's about 400 pounds a month. I, and I remember when I moved over here, I'm like, wow, I'll drive. I, I, I remember my, my plan when I moved over here, I'll be a forklift driver and I will milk it. Why? Because I was earning 400 pounds a month as a full-time teacher. So relative to where I was in South Africa, I've seen the difference. I'm like, I, are we rich people? Do you have a roof over your head? Yes. But I was talking to people, there are people that are suffering in our city that we've got to open our eyes to and say, actually, we are rich. We can share. And some of you will be struggling financially right now. And I've literally been speaking to people this week that are struggling and wrestling through it. But I want to say, let's not forget thankfulness and gratefulness for everything that we have in this beautiful land. But also know that people are sitting, as I was talking to someone this week, with one meal a day in our city. That's a reality. And we need to reach out. Amen? And here's the thing. You might be sitting there saying, Dylan, I'm not rich. I'm, you're still resenting me right now. Uh, you say, I don't even like the rich. Well, be careful because God is rich. Be careful what you say. You might be like, Dylan, God's not rich. Guys, he owns the universe. <laughs> like, do you want a definition of wealth and richness? The guy who owns the entire world. The Bible says that everything is the Lord's. That's pretty rich. And my Bible says, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, Jesus Christ, onto this earth, so that we through his poverty might become rich rich amen now uh, i think what what sadly has happened so i am laying a quite a good a, a big broad foundation right now is that okay 
Are you guys with me? I don't, I don't want to uh, miss too much. I really want to get into this. But here's the thing. is Sadly, in the church world, we've gone from error to error. Error to error. It's like a pendulum. It swings. And what you've had in the past is you've had, uh, sadly, American uh, teaching. Uh, can I go for this? Is this okay? I've got my American brother. Sorry. Um, but sadly, a lot of stuff that was exported out of America came was this unhealthy prosperity gospel teaching. And it, it, it kind of, it, the pendulum swung so far across, it was kind of like, if you believe in Jesus, nothing goes wrong, you just need to confess it and you'll get great wealth and your children will always have health, there'll be no problems, whatever, da, 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 da. And people went into that and, it, it, you know, they based it on a few scriptures. And then what happens? The kids get ill, there's struggles financially and you're like, where is God? You know, it's, it's, it's too extreme. It gets into its own category. And, and then what ends up happening is the church reacts. So the pendulum swings all the way the other way. And they're like, no, 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 no. And God doesn't want you to have anything. You can't enjoy anything. You can't have any money. You can't do it. So it goes into what's called a poverty gospel. And I believe genuinely in scripture that there is a balanced middle where God calls us to live, where we can prosper we should walk in the prosperity of God, but we should also walk in the generosity of God, that we don't have a poverty mentality and we don't have this, un, and I, I want to redeem the word prosperity in this series because I think it's been stolen by some crazy guys where it says, you know, pay a thousand dollars and you get your healing. I'm sorry, guys, if that's you, that is the most ungodly thing I've seen and it really angers me because people, I remember people rushing up and the guy said, if you want your healing today, you have to put a thousand dollars in. I went to a meeting in South Africa where it was the same thing. It says, if it's today, if it's during the week, you put in a bit less. I was like, well, last time I checked in my Bible, Jesus put his blood in. We combine our faith and that's where the healing comes from. Not from putting a money in a slot machine and apparently it's your slot machine of faith that we got to pull. That is rubbish. And it's robbed people. Can I say that? Oh, okay, cool. That went down. I, I can just, let's kill some holy cows. Um, but the, the error to error, we want to come to Jesus. We want to understand Jesus' view of money. We understand this, the kingdom view of money and using wealth in, a, in the rightful way. John, uh, Luke 16, let's get here. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man. Can you say rich man? whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. He called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. Verse eight, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Can you say shrewdly? For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth. Can you say use? to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Can you say eternal? Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
Do you know, see the difference there? Worldly wealth, true riches. Worldly wealth, true riches. Worldly wealth, and there's a connection between the two. You can actually impact eternity with the temporal wealth that you have right now. And if you have not, uh, uh, verse 13, no one can serve two masters, either you'll hate the one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who heard this, uh, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Amen. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but this story messes me up a little bit. There's a lot of theology in here that I struggle with. I'm like, he seems to be, he commends the dishonest manager. Why does he commend him? For his dishonesty? No, for his shrewdness. You see the difference? Don't, don't mix this. Don't think like, I'm going to go into work tomorrow. I'm going to halve all the accounts of all the debtors so they love me. And then I, you know, take a little backhand. No, none of that, guys, please. What you do is he commends his shrewdness in how he operated. It's kind of like I was reading the story. Oh, it was, it was so funny. Um, so this guy's on a job, a salary of 150,000 pounds a year of building computer systems, like managing computer systems in the UK, right? 150 grand a year. You know what he did? Uh, they found out he had been doing it for about two years. He was subcontracting it out to some guys in China for 30,000 pounds a year. And they were doing his entire job for him. So he was sitting playing games on the computer all day. All the work was getting done, but he was just subbing the work out and he was pocketing the difference. He made 120 grand for doing nothing. I don't know about you. That's clever. <laughs> That's shrewdness. I, I mean, that's a brilliant thing. And, and I was reading, it was actually an interview. And the guy was saying, well, as a business owner, what I'd do is I'd have a talk to him, but I'd actually promote him. Because as an entrepreneur, he said, we need to learn to systematize this business. We haven't tapped into something he's done. But it was just interesting that in our Western world, we, we'd struggle with that. But actually, what the guy did was brilliant. What, what he did was very shrewd, very clever, very, you know, operative. But Jesus commends this guy for thinking creatively here. But here's what he says. He says, I, I want you to use worldly wealth in a wise way so that you can build an eternal inheritance, not a temporal existence. And sometimes what I think we get caught up in is this temporal wealth and we try and gain more and more money because we think that's where our security is, where ultimately our security is in heaven with Jesus Christ. That's where all our hope should be. Remember Proverbs 11:4. wealth is worthless when? In the day of wrath. That's when it's worth it. But righteousness, the righteousness of Christ delivers us from death. You know, in property, I, I, I love property investment. It's a passion of mine. But one of the things we talk about is when you get all of your money out of a deal, you get what's called an infinite return. So if you put a deposit in and you refinance the house, you get the deposit back. Anything you make after that point is called infinite. Why? Because you don't have any money of your own left in it. How much more an eternal return where when you invest with the kingdom of God, with Jesus Christ, it has an eternal return for all of eternity. Why? Because ultimately, as Mark was saying, it's about the mission of God and serving the ministry of what God's called us to do as a body of believers. Amen. But Jesus said this, um, you cannot serve two masters. Now, some people think of this as Jesus is against money. 
No, no, no. He says you cannot serve, and that word for money is the word mammon, which means this. The word mammon is from the Aramaic word mammon, which originally meant that in which one puts one's trust. That's what mammon is. When you put in your trust in your wealth to sustain you, to free you, to liberate you, whatever it is, to give you happiness, that's where you serve in the spirit of mammon. But when you put your trust in Christ, remember money is a terrible master, but a beautiful servant. But when you allow money to become your master, that's where the troubles start. And you see it all the time. So my question to you today is, do you see yourself as generous? Because so often I genuinely think we believe we'd be better at being rich than the people in our lives we think are rich. We think if I just had, how many, okay, let's do this. Uh, how many of you think if you won the lottery, I know you don't play the lottery because you're Christians, um, but if you won the lottery, you would give away most of it. Thank you for honesty, Drew. <laughs> A lot of people are like, oh, I would give, I was reading an article, again, I was doing a lot of surveys this week, trust me, like, I enjoy this stuff, but the, the people, are, I'd give away, if I won, if I got 5 million in the lottery, I'd give away 3.5 million. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Why? Because it's a deception in our hearts that the more money you have, the more generous you'd be. It's just not true. If you can't be faithful in sowing, uh, and we'll talk about the principle of tithing, but I want to start with laying the groundwork here. If you can't be faithful in the little, you won't be faithful with much. Jesus taught the principle. If you're not faithful with the 10 pounds, you're not going to be faithful with the 100, the 1,000, the million. Why? It it, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I I say this uh, with love in my heart is I think we're more generous than we are. But you know the beautiful thing about money? It's the one thing in our spiritual walk that we can really measure. All other discipleship areas, very hard to measure. How healthy is your marriage? Um, I think pretty healthy. How do I measure? I can't really. Uh, how healthy is your, uh, your soul, your, your walk with Christ? Don't know. When it comes to this area, it's the one area where your bank statement does not lie. Dylan, I'm so generous. Cool. Let me give you a task this week. Print out your bank statement from the last three months and tell me how generous you are. It, it's, it's a challenging thing. Me and Anna do this. We actually have to catch up this year because we've been a bit busy. Um, but we, we categorize all of our spending. Why? Because we want to see where is our heart. Because Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can't tell me you, you value your spouse and you, you're spending money on your cars, your guitars, your... I'm trying to think of something that rhymes with guitars, your, your nails, your hair, your whatever. And then you look at date night, you're like, hey, we don't have money for date night. You know what, you know what your statement's revealing? Where's your heart? Where's your marriage? Where, where's your generosity? And, and, and it's, it's a challenging one because my spiritual parents are very, very generous people, taught me a lot about giving and finance. And you always sit there and at the table, you're like, Dylan, 10% is the beginning and 10% doesn't lie. And I've learned what that means. 
people like, oh, I just, you know, I've not met a person that doesn't, and I'll come to tithing another time because it's such a liberating thing. I actually truly believe in it. I think it's one of the most liberating things for any believer, any person in Christ, is someone who doesn't believe in tithing that is more generous than the tithe. You know why? Because it breaks the stronghold of the spirit of mammon over people's lives. Amen. It's going quiet in this church. Um, I'm going to have to wind up a bit here. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's... Okay, let's do this. Let me go quicker. How many minutes you got? Five minutes? Ten minutes. Thanks, Ezra. Thank you for that. Um, you did great in the video, by the way. Can we give Ezra a round of applause? I think she... Mm. Can I kill five uh, myths quickly? And then next week, what we're going to do is we're going to break down. This series is going to develop and kind of go. But I'd really like to spend some time with a few guys I'm asking to come into the church and that we'll do some sessions with. If you like Dylan, our finances are just in a mess. I could do with some help, like very practical stuff. Like how, where do, where do I put this money? How do I budget? How do I create a spreadsheet? Whatever it is, I want every single person in this church to be one step ahead in their journey by the end of the series so that you can live in the financial freedom that God's called you to. We talk about spiritual freedom, but financial freedom is very important. It is a big part of life. Now, and I'm, can I just be very real, put a disclaimer out there? This is like a passion of mine. So if you like Dylan, it feels like you're kind of toying towards, uh, I don't even know, like financial development or something. It's such a big passion. It's something I, I'm so passionate about seeing people prosper. I love seeing young people get on the property ladder. I love seeing people investing in their futures. I love seeing uh, marriages prospering because of financial decisions people make today. So it is a passion. But there's some Christian myths quickly. Number one, the rich are wicked, poverty is noble. I've kind of dealt with that. Um, my, my, my challenge to you is if you think that is to be true, let me just put this out there. Then Christian missions should not give anything to the poor. If poverty is noble, why should we alleviate poverty? Because then we're making it unnoble. So the, the very thought needs to be challenged here. Is Christian missions, uh, poverty in itself is actually a destructive thing. You know, when, when you walk the streets of Kenya, South Africa, the townships, what you don't see is people full of hope. You see people in a place of hopelessness in this area. Well, you do see another strength in poverty, which is people are totally reliant on God. And the Bible says God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom. So there's a blessing on that side, just like there's a blessing on the wealth side. So there's a thing. But if you have this idea that poverty is holy and wealthy is unholy, you've got to change your thinking. Amen? Number two. Okay, this might go down well. Uh, this is a good Christian myth. God, God is a socialist. Let me drink some water quick. Mm. Okay. Uh, we. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. A little bit of encouragement here. This Christian myth is so embedded, especially in the upcoming generation, that socialism or Marxism is the future way to alleviate poverty. It does not work. It creates poverty. It doesn't alleviate poverty. Basic history lesson here. The other foundation you've got to look at scripturally, if you think that to be true, is Karl Marx himself was an atheist that took God out of the whole system. 
So it's built on the premise that there isn't sin, there isn't sinfulness, there isn't sinful things. So what, why are you doing that? And what, what his solution is, let's get a bigger government. Any, anyone know that governments waste money? <laughs> Who knows that actually the design of God, you're like, well, Dylan, are you saying that God's a capitalist? I'm saying God is God. And we have sinful systems that we work within, neither are purely holy in themselves, but to make it out, um, someone uh, said to me, a non-Christian said, I can't believe you vote for this person because surely if you're a Christian, you have to vote for this. I said, no, what you're doing is you're mixing up this thing of what God, who God is and what scripture actually teaches. Jesus teaches on both sides. You could justify different elements of it, but ultimately Jesus teaches generosity and the church doing the works of socialism, actually accomplishing, alleviating people, walking people into freedom and victory. Amen. Who wants to manage my emails this week? Number three, money is evil. It's just not true. Uh, It's one of the most misquoted scriptures. Didn't Jesus say, or didn't Paul say, that um, the money is the root of all evil? No, the teaching is the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money itself. It's neutral, and we've dealt with that. Number four, if I earned more, I would give more. Fourth Christian myth, it just isn't true. I remember Anna and I sitting on, um, on the floor in our old house, which we absolutely loved. And before we had sofas and that, and we, we had just moved into our home, and we, we were having to make this decision, do we tithe, don't we tithe, at that point. And we decided, you know what, we can sit on the garden furniture for a bit longer because we want to serve the mission of God. And if we're not faithful now, we won't be faithful then. Amen. Number five, this one will wind a few of you up. Uh, Living by faith means just relying on others. In Christianity, this is such a common thing, it really annoys me. It's like, Dylan, I'm just living by faith on missions. Uh, So every person that gets up faithfully and goes to work here, you're not living by faith. Just to think of what it's saying, to think of what it's saying. I think sometimes it requires more faith to start a business, to be faithful in your workplace, to be faithfully on time, to get there and serve others there. That's living by faith too. So just say, oh, I'm living by faith. I'm just going to trust people, quit my job and sing Kumbaya all day. That is just not true. <laughs> now, some people are called to rather, you know, missions and all of that kind of stuff, but it, it kind of infects young people because they love the idea of it. It's kind of like you get this, uh, this lifestyle without the responsibility, but there is something very important about learning faithful Christian living in the workplace. Amen. And I've been on both sides of this, guys. I've been up on, uh, on the side of just receiving money in envelopes. And, uh, you know, I remember my car getting stolen in South Africa. Um, and, <laughs> you know, when a Christian brother laughs at your heartache, you know, you know can I just point this out here? Yeah? The, the, reason, the reason that Willem's laughing is because Willem was with me when it happened. Uh, <laughs> Because we were at youth group, I was faithfully serving the Lord and serving the, the rebel youth of the city um, with all the sacrificial, you know, just let me just throw this out there, get off my chairs. Um, and we walk out of this meeting, Willem's like 12, and uh, we walk, you walk down and I'm like, dude, I, I'm sure I parked my car there. And he's like, 
yeah, bro, I think you did park your car there. I said, is this someone playing a joke on me? Walked around, and then he starts laughing. He's like, bro, I think your car got stolen. <laughs> starts laughing, laughing, laughing. It was actually my mom's car, but anyway. So, <laughs> so he, he was having a good laugh, and my car had got stolen. But you know what was amazing at that point? Is God, at the beginning of the year, I'd written in my journal, I said, uh, uh, son, I'm going to release to you three 10,000 rand, rands we're working in, um, which you guys are like, that's nothing. Let's just keep 10,000 there. It's like 10,000 pounds. Um, Three ten thousand rand deposits into your account. It was the most random thing I've ever written down in my diary. Well, not some of you write commonly. And you know something? I was driving to preach uh, that week, and we didn't. Have, we needed a car, as we were borrowing someone. And I, I pull over. I thought, let me just check what's in my account. At that point, I had say two thousand rand, hundred pounds. I go there and I see on the receipt I'd drawn some cash out, and there was twenty thousand rand. 22,000 rand at that point and two 10,000 rand deposits into my account. I went to the, the bank and, and I said to him, I said, I, I, I kind of know who this person is that put this one 10,000 in. It's someone random that's just felt led uh, or whatever. Um, but this other, I just don't know who this is. Can you tell me? They said, sorry, it's a, it was a cash deposit. We can't tell you where this is from. They, no one else had my bank details. So I was like, I better take this money out before the bank realized I made a mistake. Um, and I did. But anyway, <laughs> you got to be shrewd, people. We got to be shrewd. <laughs> because here's the funny thing. God provided, yet I still doubted. I was like, God, I, you've literally provided so that I could serve the mission of God that you've called me to. And you work. So I've seen God provide in the most incredible ways. And then a, a week later, someone else came and said, I want to sow 10,000 10, rand into your account. 10,000, not all. I didn't tell anyone, didn't, you know, request it. There's one friend that knew about that was praying with me for provision. Amen. And you might be sitting there saying, Dylan, could you please hurry up and get rid of this finance series because I'm not interested in finance. The thing I'm going to say to you, my friend, is you may not be interested in it, but God is, and he wants you to prosper and walk into freedom in this area. And, you know, we have some of the most generous people I've ever met in this church, and they're not always the ones with the most money, but they faithfully have sown into people in this church, which is just incredible. Um, so I'm going to end there because it's, uh, we're out of time. But I wonder, um, I, I think it would be good to, to end there. Worship team, do you have anything? Or are you guys happy? Say again? You're, you're good. Great. I think it's over. Um, <laughs> but I'd like to pray for you guys and say, actually, 